0: empowerment coach and spiritual feminist. And I am delighted to be spending time today with Barry Tesler-Linden, the founder and creator of The Art of Money. Welcome, Barry.
1: Hi, Joni. Thank you so much for having me. Mm. I'm looking forward to this.
0: Yes, yes. So, You are a financial therapist, a mentor, a coach, a mompreneur, and the creator of The Art of Money, which is a global year-long money school, which integrates money healing, money practices, and money maps. And I know you just recently published The Art of Money, a life-changing guide to financial happiness, yes (laughs)
1: yes yes to all of that it is true
0: (laughs) so Barry I'm going to pause for just a minute because we do have the ability to edit this out my heater has turned on and it's it's distracting and I don't want it to be a noise issue so if you can give me just one moment I'm going to turn that off Oh. All right. We're just going to get all the technical stuff out of the way.
1: <laughs> all good. All yes. good. I'm not good. I'm right here yes. for you. <laughs> yes.
0: Thank you. So, The Art of Money, A Life-Changing Guide to Financial Happiness. It is a beautiful and amazing book. How, how is that going, just having created that?
1: You know, it, we're four and a half months since we published, and I'm having to just keep pausing and celebrating, you know, that, that we did this, because mm-hmm. it's been a dream of mine for years. You know, I've been doing this work 15 years, and from day one, people would say, when I would give a talk on my methodology, and I used to call it Conscious Bookkeeping, and now I call it The Art of Money, and people would say, well, when's the book? You know, I would say... <laughs> it's coming, or one day, or soon, or, you know, I said all sorts of things. And so a few years ago, when we finally said, it's really time, and it's time to put together that book proposal, which just that in itself is a huge endeavor. And, you know, we weren't even done with the book proposal. Well, we had done a lot of it. And that's when my publisher, Parallax Press, called me up and said, you know, hey, do you want to write a book? And, (laughs) you know, so... In any journey, there's beautiful, synchronistic moments, easeful moments, and then really challenging moments. And so, to have a publisher call me was certainly a dream come true, and a wonderful publisher, Parallax Press is Thich Nhat Han's publisher, and mm-hmm. they're a small Buddhist publisher that brings um, all their teachings are on bringing mindfulness into daily living, in all you know different sorts of arenas. And so. Um, Yeah, I mean, that's just part of the story. Again, any journey has the beautiful and the challenging, and certainly my publishing story has had that. But here we are, four and a half months later, and I went on a whole book tour, which was a huge push for me because I love to travel, and um, I realized I have a bigger capacity than I knew to travel by myself. My family Mm. came to meet me in moments, And that was harder. Normally we were, you know, before that point, we were great travelers, but they came with me on my book tour and something shifted and it was really hard to be with them. So I did more on my own, did shorter trips, Mm -hmm. but I also realized while I had a, a much bigger capacity than I realized to travel by myself and navigate that, um, energetically it was way more challenging than I had anticipated or prepared Mm, for mm -hmm. and so it was both you Mm. know and it's taken me six weeks seven weeks to just yesterday was my first day that I felt the inner well was starting to fill up again Mm -hmm. and I could feel some of my vibrancy coming back and I normally don't like to push that hard that's Mm -hmm. not my way and yet I always dreamt of a book tour with lots of wine and chocolate, you know, <laughs> and it was some of that, and certainly every book reading I loved, and the the, the breaking bread with people I loved, you know, mm. and the travel, which or being away from my family, that part was hard, so here we are four and a half months later, and the book's doing really well, as far as, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I can tell you numbers if you want, you know, it's like no one talks about their numbers, or we're not supposed to, or... Um, Anyway, it's doing really well. Share your numbers
0: (laughs) (laughs) and we'll celebrate those numbers.
1: Thank you. And before I say what they are, it's important for me to say that numbers are, you know, one piece of the story or one way to measure Mm. how we're doing. It's not the full story, just like the amount of money in our bank accounts. Um, at any given time is not the full story. You know, it's part of the story. And, you know, numbers are something that I used to be terrified of. I used to get my bank statements and throw them away. I didn't mm-hmm. want to look at my numbers or know them. So to actually learn how to read them, review them, see patterns mm-hmm. has been so helpful. Right. But I, I, and so I love I do love numbers because I also think they tell a deeper story and there's a lot more going on um, but so where and I didn't even know the publisher's goals when we first set out so a few months in I said to my publisher what were the goals for the year you know mm-hmm. and she said because I remember her throwing out a number like 10,000 for the year and she said yes that's true we really hope that we'll sell 10,000 hardcover books um, and and then I've talked with other authors to learn that unless you're a celebrity, right, that Mm -hmm. selling 10,000 books for a year is really good and that 98% of authors don't do that. Mm. I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. So, again, it's just ways to measure. So, we are four months in and we have sold 7,000 hardcover (gasps) books and 3,180 Kindle versions
0: Woo! That is cause for celebration. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, we had a Kindle daily deal and uh-huh. we just had an you know, we didn't find out the numbers for 3 weeks for for whatever reasons and it mm-hmm. was kind of anticlimactic but to hear how many we sold in one day. Yeah. So Overall, we're past 10,000. I still would love to sell over 10,000 hardcover. And we're on our way. We're That's on our way.
0: Absolutely.
1: Well on your way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the holidays coming, and I'm hearing more and more that people are getting the Art of Money book as gifts for mm-hmm. weddings, for graduation gifts, for birthdays, and for holidays. Why not? You know, so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. So can you tell us a little bit more just about the foundation of the art of money or what your approach is?
1: Sure. So I created this, as I mentioned, about 15, 16 years ago, and it came from a few places. Number one is that I spent almost a decade training to be a therapist and studied somatic psychotherapy. So I spent my 20s at Naropa University in Boulder, Colorado. Um, steeped in somatic psychology, working in the m- mental health field, hospice, both from the bereavement side, the grief side, mm. and doing overnight care for people that were dying. Mm. Um, I led authentic movement groups for young women for years. That was my main movement meditation practice. Mm. And so that's what I was steeped in in my 20s. I, my big topics were sensuality, sexuality, food, body, um, spirituality and death mm. and intimacy. Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought I'd be working with. Those were my topics. You know, that's <laughs> <laughs> what I thought I'd be doing, you know, for the rest of my life. And my student loan came due. Mm-hmm. And that moment flipped me out, completely freaked me out. And it made me um, realize so many things. One, that this was such a missing piece in my education, my relationship to money, and that I did not receive a financial education, a money education um, at any point along the way, and that it was really missing From when I was growing up, in small increments, from grade school and up, I didn't receive a money education on a practical, emotional, psychological, and spiritual level. And I really thought I was the only one. Mm. You know, how we, in that moment, we just think, oh, I'm the only one. (laughs) And, you know, I started looking around, and my friends came from all economic backgrounds, from a wealthy family, from a middle class family, I came from middle class from working class, I used to say working class, mm-hmm. and a lot of my friends who came from that background will tell me when I interview them, nope, I came from a poor family, you know, so mm-hmm. we all have our own words mm-hmm. of how we define things, mm-hmm. and so, but I started going to people from all different economic classes and backgrounds, and realizing that most of us did not receive a financial education from grade school and up, and that we all had strengths around money and challenges around money and things to overcome. and so. You know, it was such a terrifying moment because I didn't know how I was going to pay back that student loan. I was making $11 an hour with a master's degree, Mm. and I thought my path to right livelihood was my master's degree. I couldn't see beyond that. I also didn't know how to create a business. You know, I didn't become an entrepreneur until 32. Mm. Um... I, I, you know, it, it took me until then to realize I really can't work for anyone else. That, is, <laughs> that, that does not work, you know. And it took me until 32 to somehow unravel that, wait a second, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family. Mm. My father was an entrepreneur, but um, I was rebelling against him and needed to mm-hmm. for my own journey and path because I'm a lot like him, but mm-hmm. I also needed to do life very differently because I also have different values than him, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I also learned a lot from him, you know, Um, good and bad. And so it took me until 32, but to back up, I was so freaked out by this student loan because in that moment it was like, I've no relationship to money. I never learned this stuff. I don't know how to create a livelihood based on my skill set and my Mm. gifts and my superpowers. And I don't know how to do this. And so it was such, a terrifying moment where I really thought about like running away and traveling the world as a nomad, you Mm -hmm. know, and that was an option. You know, Uh I thought, you know, when I tell that story, I told it a lot of my book tour and someone came up to me and said, I chose that option. You know, (laughs) I've been a nomad and now I'm coming back, back into culture and I'm back in the States and I work with people all over the world, but this was someone in Seattle And he said, you know, I'm now stepping back in, right? But I chose that, you know, and it was good for that time. And now I want to do something different. And so in that moment, I realized that I needed to take money on instead of running away from it. I really needed to face it. I realized that if I was going to step into a relationship to money, it had to include all of the tools and practices and qualities that I was bringing to every other area of my life. Um, I needed deeper meaning, I needed playfulness, I needed creativity. Mm. I needed mindfulness and compassion. And I needed love on and on, right? And I, you know, just I felt I was zapped with a mission mm. um, in that moment and over the next few years, in mm. who I met and a mentor that I met, and on and on. And I felt I was zapped with this mission, so that I could learn how to have a healthy and savvy and creative relationship with money, um, even as a creative person, as a dancer, as a therapist, somatic therapist, and that I was going to create a methodology to help as many people as I could around mm-hmm. me and just started learning from the ground on up how to do bookkeeping and then had a whole bookkeeping business for a few years for – coaches and artists and therapists and contractors and they just they could care less that i had a masters in psychology they just threw their bookkeeping <laughs> at me and said do this you know oh, my god did i learn so much about them about their patterns and spending habits and you know and then at some point it became so clear that i wanted to integrate all the deeper training mm. as a therapist with all of these the language of money, with the systems of money management, and these tools and practices that I was starting to create and put them all together. And it happened, there are many other, many other parts of the story, but I met my mentor, my first money mentor, my first spiritual money mentor, Tamra Slayton, in Sebastopol, California, 15 years ago. And she was the kind of woman who was always looking at the edge of culture, saying, "What are some of the biggest taboos mm-hmm. um, or shadows?" And she would take them on. And she was an old school educator. She had five kids, and she taught in her home. And you know, every, nothing was online; everything was paper. She was an artist too, and you know, she created all, all these curriculums. And the last few years of her life, she took on economics and money. And I started doing our bookkeeping and we would have money dates and discussions. And then, you know, pretty soon into our connection relationship, she said, it's time for you to give a talk about your work. And I was like, what? Mm. (laughs) I I work with one person or two people. I don't (laughs) speak, you know, in front of a room. And she just looked at me as she did. And it was, you know, a look of young lady. (laughs) It is time. Get yourself prepared and ready. Whatever you have to do, it's time. And, you know, I went out on a walk in the woods, and that's where I get a lot of information. Mm -hmm. I still walk on uh, my mountain, my favorite mountain in Boulder, Colorado. I did this mountain in my 20s and early 30s. I'm back in Boulder as of the last eight years. I'm walking the same mountain almost every day. Mm -hmm. I bring a lot of questions to this mountain. I get a lot of answers. I listen and basically this was in Sebastopol, California. There wasn't a mountain, but there was woods. And I asked, you know, what is a framework or concepts or some kind of pathway to bring back to my community um, to help them have a conscious, healthy, on and on and on, whatever your words are, you know, relationship to money. And got these three phases Mm. that, you know, just came to me. I like ran home. We were living in, me and my husband, he was my boyfriend at the time, a 350-square-foot cabin. Mm. And he immediately got out white paper, put it on the wall, and we mapped out the three phases of the art of money methodology, which back then was conscious bookkeeping. And now they're money healing, money practices, and money maps. Mm. And back then it was financial therapy, values-based bookkeeping, life vision planning. And I went and gave my first talk, And, you know, was terrified and (laughs) did my best to stay in my body and used all my somatic tools, you know, to do that. There were 20 people in the room and, you know, wound up from there creating a group of 10 people and then did that over and over and over and over. And then I worked with 20 people over and over and over in six-week groups. I can't believe I did it in six-week formats, (laughs) right? Now it's a year, you know, and people come back because they realize it's a lifelong journey and just kept teaching and fine-tuning and growing um, this pathway, this methodology, this curriculum over and over and over. And this, you know, simple versions is money healing is all the um, emotional, psychological work, understanding that money, we project so much onto it and it's so emotional for so many of us. So what are, what is the emotion? What are the set of emotions? What's, Mm The cocktail of emotions that comes up. I wanna really help people in shame. I do a lot of work around what's your money story, family of origin, lineage. We do a lot of forgiveness work. You know, that's there's so much more to say. That's the money healing. Then we move into money practices, which is learning the language of money, setting up a bookkeeping system, making it more creative and fun, which is adding our values in, renaming things Mm -hmm. and learning how to create a financial support team. And then the third phase is money maps, which is all about what phase of life are you in, and creating a map based on basic needs, what you consider basic needs now. Not five years ago, not mm-hmm. you know five years. Comfortable lifestyle and ultimate lifestyle. And there's so much more in the money maps phase about how do you make good money decisions from small, medium to large. and. It's where the planning, the visioning, the dreaming, and the numbers come together.
0: Right. And I, I think you've used the term dancing with your money or dancing with your money map. And I, I really have responded to that.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I Tell me why. That. Because we we were going back and forth. I mean, for me, I grew up dancing and I still, you know, dance. Um, at different points in my life. And so, you know, that resonated with me. Tell me why the dancing with your money map.
0: Well, because for me, just the, the whole title and purpose of this podcast, Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow, is really about that fluidity. You know, it is about that give and take. It's about the kind of being present and grounded in who and what the reality is at the moment and, and then how we create with that or how we flow with that. So the dancing with money, to me, is an expression of, of basically that same essential process, mm. if that mm. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So one of the, one of the tools I know that is like the hallmark of your work, which I would love for you to share about, is the body check-in.
1: Yes. Yeah. So this is uh, probably my favorite tool and will always be my favorite tool, you know, and it's where we begin and where we are in the middle and where we end, you know, Mm -hmm. and this came directly from my somatic training as a therapist. And, you know, when I was going to start a business for the first time, when I was starting to Set up my own bookkeeping system when I was starting to have money dates with my husband, which we've had for 16 years, and they weren't fun at the beginning. Now they are, you know, but they (laughs) weren't. Um, or as I'm parenting my eight-year-old child, you know, um, I knew that I needed to bring these somatic tools. They, they could not be left in the dust. It it's the foundation for everything for me. Mm -hmm. Um, even how I grow the business and how Mm -hmm. I listen and how I move and what choices I make. And so. For me, uh, this is this tool, the body check-in, is inviting you to pause and stop for 20 seconds at a time or a few minutes at a time and ask yourself to check in with your body and check in with anything that's going on on the inside, on a physical level, on a sensation level, on an emotional level, and with your breathing, with your breath. And, you know, I invite people to do this in all of the daily money interactions that we don't even at first realize how many there are. There are many, right? They're happening all the time. And it could be um, going to have a money conversation with your spouse, your partner, with your parents, with a child, with a client. You know, it could be going online to look at your numbers. It could be sitting down to pay your bills. It could be Going to the mall or the grocery store. There are so many moments. It's pretty incredible when we start realizing this and looking around and inviting these body check ins in. And I really encourage that we do this as a practice. um, And then eventually it becomes more of a habit. And we'll start to do a body check in before some of these moments or during it in the heat of the moment. We're furious, you know, we're just (laughs) horrified how. Different we are than our partner, and how they spend differently, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's just true with mm-hmm. most two people. We will spend, or save, or give, or earn, and invest in different ways, right? And at first, we're horrified, <laughs> and we're like, we get the credit card statement, and we're running towards that mother in the shower, you know, <laughs> not not a good move. But that's what we do. And so, body check in in the heat of the moment. Come back, check in, let yourself notice, right? Um, or after, sometimes we leave the mall with a bag or two bags and we realize what the heck just happened, you know, mm-hmm. where did I go? So for me, body check-ins can happen before, during or after, or all the above. And it's really a way to gather data, information about our money stories mm-hmm. and, you know, for me, it's the concept of awareness is mm-hmm. where we begin and that leads to understanding and that leads to being able to have choice to make changes, right? And so I know that's so simple and there's so much more going on. I'll say one more thing is that usually I like to end my body check-in after I, I, I let myself notice what's going on in a physical level or sensation, emotional level and what my breath is doing. Mm-hmm. I'll say, okay, what's one little adjustment I can make right now that would be really supportive? So loosening my jaw, mm. little shoulder shimmy, deeper breath, You may add a few of those Mm -hmm. little adjustments, but that's how I like to complete a body check-in because, you know, emotions can be scary at first or they may feel overwhelming at first. And, you know, so I'm wanting us to um, do these little body check-in in in small little bite-sized chunks. Maybe it's really only 20 seconds to begin. Mm. And then we pause, you know, and, and add in a little adjustment. That would be helpful. And then we do another one. So that's that's the body check-in and people say they love my work, they love the year-long program, they love the book and the one thing that has been the most life-changing? Mm-hmm. I mean there's many things but mm-hmm. more and more I get that I get the body check-in was the practice that was the most life-changing for me.
0: Yes. Yes. And that that's why I wanted you to share about it today because mm-hmm. it is it, it is a powerful tool that you can use in in any setting, any situation.
1: Certainly. And and some of us are doing in other settings and we've just never thought, what about with my money stuff? You know, bring it over here too. So, so many of us have all these tools and practices that we are living and that we have in all these other areas of our life. We can bring all those over to our money relationship. We really can and we need to. Mm-hmm. And so that was something about, um, I'd worked so hard on, how to listen to my body again and translate the messages and, you know, not override and come back to myself. And then with money it was like it was this separate disconnected thing mm. until I realized, wait a second, you know, <laughs> all these tools and psycho spiritual practices um, which a lot of people call feminine practices. Yes. And I, you mentioned that too, which which is so interesting for me because I never even use that word, you know, but I have been told by many people, this is so not masculine. It's so <laughs> not. Um, and yet it's just what's natural to me. I didn't set out to say, I'm going to create a feminine approach yes. to money management. And yet that's clearly what we're doing, right? There's Yes. So many yes books on traditional financial management. Some written by women, many written by men. There's hundreds of them, and there, there's some good ones. And they all talk about the same stuff about saving and paying down debt and investing. And there's so much more going on. Yes. <laughs> going on.
0: Yes, there is. I appreciate you just naming the feminine piece and. We're not going to dive into that too deeply, but it, it is, as both a member of your community, someone who's participating in the Art of Money School and read the book, it is the thing that has struck me by and large is, and I think it's just your essence and your natural way of approaching it coming through, but it, it does feel distinctly feminine, um, mm. and I personally feel like the face of finance and the face of money is, is shifting as that new way comes in. So I don't know if there are any other pieces either about the feminine for you or if you think about that idea of feminine flow and how it has shown up in your life, maybe even relation to the business or the art of money. Um, anything you'd like to share on that?
1: Yeah. There's a few things that are coming to mind. Um, one is going back to that, you know, my main practice was authentic movement Mm -hmm. that was a movement meditation practice. And it was about closing my eyes and getting quiet and listening in to my sensations and following them through into movement and sound. And so there was a lot of deep listening. Mm -hmm. Um, and so even when I was setting out to create a business and I had no business training, I had no bookkeeping training, I had no marketing <laughs> training, and all of that terrified me. If you would have told me, you know, in my 20s, this is what I was going to be doing, I I would have been pretty surprised, maybe impressed, but, you know, really?
0: Yes.
1: And, wow, I can bring all of my sensitivity mm. into the way I create Mm. my work Mm. and a business model and Mm. I can create a business model that honors energy and my sensitivity and health and family, what, you know? Mm. Um, And I've just, and so there's a few things. One is that I've never been a fast paced grower Mm. and um, not that that's a masculine or feminine thing, but Mm. you know, I've always, I have always been such a deep, deep listener that I feel I've grown more, in slower incremental, Mm. um, steps along the way and haven't been into big lists growing or (laughs) won't do anything that doesn't feel good to me. Mm -hmm. So I will, you know, go at a pace that feels good. Mm. Um, I have to, that's just, you know, how I've done it. Um, there's that, there's the, this was, you know, I reevaluate my business models, um, every so many years and yet sustainability has been so important to me because the first few years just like most businesses cash flow was up and down and all around and i felt at some point as though i was living in an apple orchard in california Mm -hmm. and i felt like that the metaphor was i was eating all the apples off my tree and everyone else was as well and there were no Mm. apples left you know Mm. and so i In that moment, I just decided to create a board of directors. I was a sole proprietor, Mm -hmm. you know, but I decided I'm going to create a board. And and I invited five people from this little community in town to help support Mm -hmm. my vision. Mm -hmm. And we met, I don't even remember if it was every few months. It might have been once a month. I don't know. But they said yes. And so, you know, there was that. And then soon after that, I started having women come to me and say, Hey Barry, I am um, in a corporate accounting, and mm-hmm. I'm taking a yoga training on the side, <laughs> and I want to be in your team. Or mm-hmm. I'm I'm t- I'm in graduate school to be a therapist, and I'm doing bookkeeping to help pay for it. I want to be in your team, mm-hmm. and I I was like, what team are you talking about? <laughs> you know, and but it made me realize that I we needed each other, and and I created a team, and it was. It, 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 you know, I started giving my free talks about my methodology because that's what I love to do and could do really well, and mm-hmm. would give a free hour, an hour and a half talk about the art of money methodology. It was a conscious bookkeeping methodology back then, and then everywhere I could, you know, mm-hmm. women's uh, circles, business events, you know, any Whole Foods, <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> And then people would um, sign up to work with one of my bookkeeping trainers or financial coaches that were under my umbrella, mm. and I, or they would sign up for my group, you mm-hmm. know, which at the time was probably a ten-person group or, or twenty. Mm. Um, so there was that that listening. There was one more story that I want to tell, and this was this was five years ago. Um, well, there's so many stories about this feminine masculine thing. Yeah. Um, I'll tell two more. So one more is, uh, this was nine years ago, and I turned 38. And for my whole life, I didn't think I was going to have children. I didn't think it was my path. Mm. Oh, my God, I can feel the tears. And I woke up in that, in my 38th year, and I just simply changed my mind. And I realized that the only next step on my path was to have a child and to have a a son named Noah. (laughs) And, um, you know, so I'd been with my husband for seven years (laughs) and I started dropping little seeds. And he was like, "Uh, we had signed the contract, no children, what are you doing? And I, you know, just continued to drop seeds all year. And then we did some therapy really quickly. I sat there quietly, which when I want something, I'm not quiet. (laughs) My husband says I can be a freight train, right? I only pull out the freight train card. I call it my Jaguar, my Jaguar. And I only pull her out in moments. When I'm just so super clear, you know that <laughs> yes. this is our next step, and my husband always thanks me, you know. Yes. But so I was super clear. But I that this one I didn't pull out the Jaguar. I sat there quietly in therapy while he did really deep work around how he's different from his father, and mm. you know, and we came to a yes. And again, like any journey, there's beautiful parts and there's challenging parts, and we conceived Noah on the first try Mm -hmm. and, you know, and decent pregnancy. And then we had a really a challenge, a huge complication in my labor and the birth of my son. And we're all healthy and good, but we came out the other side of that Mm -hmm. and I needed to recover Mm -hmm. big time. Mm -hmm. And so I had had a whole team of the bookkeeping trainers and financial coaches for three and a half years. And we were making really nice income and was all flowing and I was happily working 40, 50, 60 hours because I loved it, you know mm. and then i I was in recovery in a significant way, um, not sleeping, and all of a sudden I had to ask new questions. and I also had to be willing to do something that goes against our culture, mm. which is, I, had, I chose to simplify. Mm. And there's this myth that you need to grow every year mm. and you need to make more money every year and you need to save more every year and give more and on and on, right? Mm. And yeah. so I went against that because I knew it was right. And I let go of my business partner and my entire team. Mm. And I um, decided to go back to a one-woman show and I asked the question of what can I do in 10 hours a week Not Mm fifty, not forty, not sixty. What can I do in ten hours a week that I love the most, and that's the most lucrative for me? And that was my group course, and I would teach it, you know, via telecourse in a crazy bun and totally sleep deprived, and I did the (laughs) best I could, you know, for two years. And 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 so we had to simplify and all that, but that was deep listening. And, Mm. and then the last story about this feminine masculine is that this was five years ago Mm -hmm. and um, was sleeping again. And (laughs) all of that, (laughs) you know, my son was four and um, I was ready to grow. And, but what was starting to happen was I was now doing three month programs Mm. with about 50 students. Mm -hmm. And then my husband started a program, about um, how to learn all the tech tools online. Mm. And so I was opening up my program, and then he would open his his program, and then I was opening up mine, and then he was opening up his. And we did this for a year, and it it became so intense Mm. and was starting to feel like so much of a push that it wasn't sustainable and didn't feel good. Mm. And we were starting to break down, and all of a sudden, I started... Asking different questions, like, can I change the energy Mm. to a more feminine energy? Mm. (laughs) Can I change the energy of this phase of my business to not a push, Mm. to something that's more of an open? Yes. And, you know, everyone calls it a launch. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, I'm going to call it an opening, you know. (laughs) And all of a sudden, I got this vision for the year-long program. Mm -hmm. I felt I had matured. I felt the community had. I was about to turn 44. I realized I had all the curriculum for a year Mm -hmm. because I'd been doing this and growing it for so long. I already did, you Mm -hmm. know. Mm -hmm. I visioned the guest teachers. I visioned the whole thing. We put it together pretty quickly. And I opened up in January I opened, I mm. opened and put it out there. And we went from having 50 students to 320 students mm. in the first year. And the other thing I did, which goes against our culture, is I lowered my price point. Mm. And, you know, there's also a myth you're always supposed to be increasing your fees yes. because that shows your true value, you know, or that, yes. you know. Yes. And I just had this sense if I really, I, I'm going to lower the price point so I can serve more people. And I have a sense at the end, I'll serve more people and it will be more lucrative. And Mm. that's what it's been. And now we're entering, we're about to enter the fifth year of the art of money in this year long teaching format. So that's, those are just, Oh my God, there's so many more, but those are just a few stories (laughs) of the, 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 the softer feminine yes. approach and I think there's moments for creation and a push like a book tour or you of course. know yeah of course yeah
0: yeah right it really needs to be the the dance and the marriage of both yeah but the, but the honoring of that feminine is so key and so important and and often so undervalued so mm-hmm. so this mm-hmm. has been so rich and um We do need to bring it to a close, but would love to ask you just one final question. If you could share with your younger self from where you stand today, um, some wisdom, what, what would that be?
1: If I would share wisdom with my younger self or if my younger self would share wisdom with me today?
0: No, if you from where you stand today were sharing wisdom with your younger self.
1: Yeah, yeah. I touched on it. It would it would be, you know, that sensitivity of yours, Barry. Mm. <laughs> Hang in there. Um, keep fine tuning it. Keep feeling it. Keep learning about it. Um, it's going to really serve you mm. in your work mm. and in your life and um, in all your roles. And and yeah. And, and yeah, <laughs> that's that sensitivity, Yes, <laughs> that yes, it's going to really, really, really serve and not be a hindrance. Mm. Oh,
0: I'm taking a deep breath with that one. That's, that's wonderful. That's a beautiful message. <laughs> mm. So if my listeners are interested in the art of money, whether it whether it be the book, I know it's available on Amazon and they can ask for it at their local bookstore. Yes.
1: Yeah. It's available at many local bookstores in the U S and Canada. Mm-hmm. Cause the, um, my publishers, um, parallax press, and then their distributor is penguin random house. So it's everywhere. And online it's Amazon and Barnes and Noble and IndieBound and any, you know, even at my publisher. So it's, mm-hmm. It's anywhere that you feel good about buying it. It's all over the place.
0: And the Mm -hmm. Art of Money program, if people wanted to check that out, do they go to your website, barrytesler.com?
1: Yes, Yes. go to my website, barrytesler.com, click on the Art of Money tab, and we have a very long and thorough description of every single part of what the art of money is and what it isn't. Mm -hmm. And, um, I like to be that thorough and detailed and there's also an FAQ page, but yes, to learn, um, everything you need to know to get some sample tastes of what's inside and to hear some audio or to see some worksheets or to hear a guest teacher interview. You can also access that on the art of money page as well.
0: Wonderful, and I know that you also have a number of resources on your site—just articles and audios that that are invaluable.
1: Thank you. Yes, yes. Putting out a lot of content, being really generous with content, is part of um, what's so important to me. It's part of our model. Every mm-hmm. two weeks, we put out, create a new piece, and it's all on the site. And then there's a little mini free art of money course that we call the pocket map and it's a seven day little intro too and Mm. you get that when you um, sign up to be on our community list
0: excellent
1: there's lots of options yes
0: (laughs) well thank you so much for taking the time today it's it's an honor and a delight to have you here
1: thank you so much Joni. be well bye everyone
0: (laughs) yes and i want to thank you dear listeners for being with us And until next time, to remind you to always trust what your heart knows. Thanks for listening to Trust Your Sacred Feminine Flow with Joni Advent Maher. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share our podcast with a friend and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast at iTunes.